Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. If you're enjoying the Rebound Rundown, be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave a rating and a review. I am very excited to bring today's show to all of you. First, I'm joined by Dave Miller, former NBA assistant and Los Angeles Laker analyst and father of current Xavier assistant coach David Miller. Then I'm joined by a current member of Xavier's staff. Crawford family associate head coach Adam Cohen took some time to talk with me on Tuesday night. I know how busy they both are, so I'm very appreciative they did these interviews. Let's get right to it. Here is Dave Miller, again, a former NBA assistant and Los Angeles Laker analyst and father of current Xavier assistant coach David Miller. Dave Miller, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Let's get started right away. How important were those two games for Xavier this past weekend as far as maturing under the bright lights of the NCAA tournament looked wildly different in game two than they did in game one uh, this past weekend? Well, I'll tell you, Paul, they were huge for a team with limited experience in March. I mean, when you look at that roster, it's a veteran group, but they really have minimal NCAA tournament experience. I mean, Kunkel got a taste of it at Belmont. Nunji was at Iowa, but I don't know if he played. He may have been hurt when they were in it, but I've been to a Sweet 16. I've coached in an Elite Eight myself. So you're right. The lights are definitely brighter in this tournament. There were only 64 teams playing that weekend in round one. There's interviews. There's lots of fanfare at the hotels, police escorts to the arena. I mean, it's really an iconic experience for these kids. And when you stop getting nervous, you know, and excited, you're probably dead. And in terms of game two to game one, they were a lot looser, you know, watching it on TV. The jitters were gone. They had a W under their belt. They made some early threes. I thought Kunkel catching fire was big time because the ball was moving. It had energy. It found open shots. And the pressure really dissipated. I, I thought, and you might know better than me, you've watched every game, but that was one of the best offensive and defensive halves that I had seen them play all season long. Yeah, no doubt. It was a very complete performance against Pitt, and I thought they looked eased. They looked relaxed. They looked like it was, the offense was free-flowing, and that leads right into my next question. You did a fantastic breakdown on Twitter the other day. I quote tweeted, if anybody's listening that wants to go back and check it out, you did a great video breakdown about Xavier's offense, some of the sets that they run, uh, some of their half-court offense, and from a coach's perspective, I mean, look, Dave, you've, you have been around the block. You have been there. You have done that for a long, long time. From a coach's perspective, what makes Xavier's offense so hard to defend against? Well, I think, Paul, the first thing that they do, they spread you out. And when you do that, that makes the defense have to make decisions on what they want to take away. You always hear coaches say they've got to pick their poison. So, you know, number one, you can go inside with the two big guys. Nunji is your floor spacer, so you can't sag off him. Hunter gives you that strength and muscle inside. And then they've got knockdown shooters and Kunkel and Boom. And, you know, Colby Jones, he just does it all for me. And I I, I really think you can't forget the fresh freshman Desmond Claude, you know, I think 
watching him, he's really improved. He's developed and he's helped them win some games. So, I mean, in a nutshell, they play extremely hard. They share the ball and they've digested. But maybe, Paul, most importantly, they've accepted their roles how to win. I mean, everybody talks about culture and X and O philosophies. But unless you guys that tru- have guys that truly buy in, it's a bunch of hot air and lip service. And when I watch this team play, I really think that they're connected on both ends of the floor. Well, to your point about buying into a role, you look no further than a guy like Jerome Hunter, who last year took 66 threes, Dave, and then this year he's only taken nine. He's completely changed his role, and in the absence of Zach Fremantle, he's become one of the team's most valuable players, and over the weekend he puts together a career-high 24 points against Kennesaw State, and then he made some incredibly difficult shots in that game against Pitt to where he's playing his best basketball at the right time, and I think you make a really good point about accepting your role and knowing what you need to do to sacrifice to allow the team the best opportunity to win. So you see it, do you see it the same way there? Just to kind of expand on that, you see these guys buying into what the coaching staff is putting out there for them? Well, there's no doubt. And that's what Sean Miller does best. He's brutally honest. He wants guys that want to be coached. And you can't coach guys hard until you earn their respect. And as you've seen, as the games went on, especially in the Big East, everybody accepted that role and they were willing to give up maybe a little bit of their game. You know, a lot of guys had good shots, but they made that extra pass to get great shots. And I thought that was the difference. Okay. So on the flip side, Texas, they're much deeper than Xavier. They're also very experienced. They might be the best team that Xavier has played so far this year. Right now, they're fifth on Ken Palm. UConn, who Xavier has beaten twice this year, is fourth on Ken Palm. But Xavier going to face a very deep and experienced Longhorns team this Friday night. You yourself uh, have some experience at Texas, too, albeit maybe a a while ago, Dave. But I, I just... I'm curious for your perspective on this Texas team. What stands out that gives you confidence in Xavier's ability to come out with a win on Friday? Well, you're right. That was like 100 years ago. It was my first (laughs) job out of college. I was was the third assistant at the University of Texas right after getting married uh, to my wife, Eileen. But, you know, think about this, Paul. You know, Xavier, they they played Creighton three times. They played UConn two times, Marquette twice, and Gonzaga once. So they've seen and played against teams with similar characteristics of the roster pieces that a Texas has. So, you know, and you you know this, I, I, I'm not a Google and I haven't studied your league, but just from being a fan, I think you guys swept UConn and Providence. You're two and one, if my memory's right, against Creighton. So, you know, you played some great teams, a couple that are still playing. So I think it goes back, though, Paul, to their non-conference schedule. And that's what put them in a position to make a run in the Big East, you know, to be up there in first for such a long time and then finish second. And, and also that schedule put them in a position to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Now, when you think of Texas, you know, there's going to be four dynamic guards in that game. Boom and Kunkel and then Carr and uh, Tyree, Tyrese Hunter. And maybe you could even throw in Rice because he's a six man. He comes in 
off the bench. But where I think Xavier has the advantage is inside. Nunji and Hunter, you know, they've got them covered on the perimeter as well as inside. But DeSue is a guy, he's the Longhorns, you know, biggest player at 6'9". And there, and, and again, the coaches know all this better than me. I think you've got to attack him. He's foul prone. So you've got to go at him, whether it's high, low or running, you know, when Kunkel sets the cross screen or whoever sets it to bring Jack into that block. But here's my biggest concern as I looked at both teams in this tournament play. It's going to be the depth that Xavier has compared to, like you said, their experience and their depth in regards to foul trouble. You know, if, if the Musketeers can defend without fouling, obviously if they hit their threes, and they've got to hit their free throws, Paul. You know, in Greensboro, they shot under 70%. You know, if, if that all happens, I think they could, you know, beat Texas. They should be all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to see if you got that all right, all right, all right. That was a pretty good one, huh? That was. You You, you know, you fit that in pretty seamlessly right there. I just can never say Matthew McConaughey's, you know, first name. But <laughs> came to play USC at the Coliseum, you know, I, I definitely went over there and I was looking for him uh, because I wanted to meet him. But I'll tell you this, this game <laughs> – all lucky Xavier fans you know just college basketball fans I think this game could be one of the best sweet 16 matchups in the tournament yeah there's no doubt on paper this sets up to be a fantastic game and it's the last game of the weekend whichever team uh, wins this game and in fact by this time there will only be nine teams left playing college basketball by the time this game rolls around it'll be the last sweet 16 game uh, on Friday night it'll be around nine o'clock uh, central time local time about 10 o'clock eastern time but let's now take a step back here uh, for a second you've been around the game for a long time like we've talked about you as much as anybody knows know how hard it is to change your coaching philosophy to this fast-paced motion offense like Sean Miller has done this year. Can you think of any other examples of coaches who evolved in a comparable way like that midway through their successful career? And then going off that, how hard is that for a coach to do? Well, I'll tell you, that, that's a great question. You ought to be on TV. We got to get you <laughs> off uh, the radio and the podcast. Um, man, I'll tell you, I'm going to pull from my MBA experience because the, as soon as you asked the question, this one popped in. I mean, I think Mike D'Antoni, but it was almost opposite. It's inverted, like some coaches run their offense. I mean, think of D'Antoni in Phoenix. He went from seven seconds or less, you know, pushing the pace, drag pick and rolls, those high energy, you know, ball movement sets to James Harden in Houston for just iso ball. But um you know, he's in your conference, actually. I just hit me, Northern Iowa, Greg McDermott, that's at Creighton right now. I think when, when he was at Northern Iowa, he was a guy they played pack line defense. You know, they played slow. He goes to Iowa State. You know, then he comes to Creighton, and he's got one of the most free-flowing up-tempo offices, offenses at Creighton. I know, I mean, that's a difficult I, – I, I remember watching them maybe two years ago when they played Arizona State because I do Pac-12 games uh, for Fox Sports, and I was like, Holy cow, man, you got to prepare for transition and then all the sets that they run. And, you know, to the second part of your question, I think it's extremely hard to change. You know, one thing I'll tell you about coaches, if you don't already know, we're creatures of habit. You know, we we have the same routine. Pre-game meal is at the same time. Shoot around is at the same time. And, you know, all the little superstitions. But most of us, we don't like to change. So I'll tell you what, you got to really credit Sean Miller for understanding his inherited personnel 
then he fits them into a new system that is conducive to winning. And most coaches can't or won't attempt that. You know, I think that year off when he went around and he studied teams and he studied games, you know, I think he not only got refreshed and, you know, rejuvenated, uh, but I, I, I think he added to his to his tool chest in terms of, of things he could do. I mean, I can only assume that it's not easy in the middle of a future Hall of Famer's college career to do what he just did this year with such drastic change, but he's done it. Kudos to, uh, to Coach Miller. From what you've talked to David about during this season, and I know he's busy, you, you and I were talking off the air about how busy he is, even when you've tried to call him here over the last few weeks, but from what you've talked to David about this year, how quickly did you realize that this was a, a special team at Xavier that could put this brand back on the national landscape? Well, you bring up a sore subject because if you see my son before the Texas game, tell him he's out of the will because he never returns my calls or texts. <laughs> You know, it's almost like that song, Cats in the Cradle. It, you're going to make me cry. Um, you know, it's like my, my my son was just like me. And it goes through. You got to listen to that song. You're probably too young to know it. But older guys and, and gals like me will know it. Um, the good thing is he doesn't call me because he's grinding and he's busy. And, you know, I mean, that's the one thing when you work for Sean Miller. You, you work. It's 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 a workmanlike atmosphere. And and the grind is always there because they're not just trying to win little. They're trying to, to win big. But, you know, I'll tell you when I met you. It was in th at Thanksgiving, and I saw those games live in Portland. And I left that week. What was it? The Phil Legacy PK eighty five. Yeah. And, and I yep. left that week, Paul, and I was like, these guys play hard. Um, at that time in November, they still looked like they were digesting their new roles. You know, you could see them thinking as opposed to reading and reacting in the motion. And I wasn't sold on their defense in November. I mean, I'm used to Sean Miller, Arizona defense, you know, for the two stints that David was with him. So, you know, I, I left there going, man, I'm not sure about this team, but I'll tell you where I bought in and I bought stock. When, when you guys beat UConn at home on New Year's Eve, that made me start to think that this group has a chance to win the Big East, because I don't know how long it had been, but I, I, I'm assuming they hadn't beat UConn in a long time. I don't have stats or facts for that, but that was just my gut feel from listening to the game. And then the second most telling point or time was when they beat Providence right after losing Fremantle. And, and it really hit me that Xavier basketball was back on the map nationally because I'll tell you, I saw different than in Portland. I saw a consistency of execution and discipline. And that comes from preparation and buying in and having a positive mental approach to practice. And most importantly, accepting coaching. And speaking of coaching, this is my last question. I'll tee this one up for you as a father. How proud are you of David and, and what he's accomplished under a coach like Sean Miller? Well, I, I'll tell you, David, you know, his character and his integrity and his work ethic are really second to none. And what really impresses me, Paul, whenever I'm doing a game for Fox Sports or ESPN, someone every game will come up to me, whether it's a head coach, an assistant coach, a referee, and tell me what a great kid that Eileen and I have raised. And, uh, you know, just recently I did an SEC game uh, when Texas A&M beat Alabama and Buzz Williams comes up to me and I entered, I'd never met him. And I introduced myself to Buzz Williams and I say, Dave Miller, and he's sort of looking at me like I've got three eyes and I'm thinking, wow, do I have a pimple, you know, above my eyebrow? And, uh, and, and he started to put together and he said, did you coach at Arizona? And I said, no, I said, uh, 
I actually, I coached at Arizona State in that state. You know, that was that was my second job after the University of Texas. And he said, oh, he goes, well, do you have a son? And I said, yeah. And, you know, here's a guy I never met and a great coach that I really respect. And he says, I've heard from numerous people that your son is a, a rising superstar. And those are the things, you know, as a, as a parent, you know, we're a basketball family, but the goals in our house have always been higher than 10 feet. You know, basketball has been fun, but we've tried to raise, you know, three really great kids. And I think we have, but um, I'll take a little bit of credit. And, and the last thing I'll tell you is that I'm so indebted to Sean Miller for having my son be a part of his program as an undergraduate at Arizona making him a graduate assistant at Arizona and then telling him you got to go out and spread your wings, right? You've got to go out and get away from my system to be able to come back. And David did that. You know, he went with Avery Johnson at the university of Alabama. He went with Joe Pasternak at Santa Barbara. And then Sean Miller brought him back, uh, you know, for that second stint. And, uh, you know, Byron Scott coached my sons. Uh, they listened to him a lot more when I was in the NBA than me. And I'll tell you what Sean Miller did. Sean Miller raised my son in the areas that I couldn't because kids don't want to hear it from their dad. But when you respect someone as immensely as David respected him as a coach, I saw every year David was at Arizona, whether it was as an undergraduate or as a staff member, he just got better and better. And, uh, you know, who better than to sit and break down film with, with a guy like Sean Miller? Because, uh, you know, we weren't friends when David entered his life. We were mutual acquaintances that we saw on the road. You know, we're not related. You know, we're not cousins, you know, and, and that. And I always had great respect for him. But he's made my son into the coach that he is and hopefully a future head coach. And uh, Sean gets all the credit. He checks a lot of boxes. And Eileen and I are grateful that he and Amy and his sons have accepted our son. And they're, they're a huge part of his life. Well, Dave, I know that you are an exceptionally busy man right now uh, with a lot of things going on. And I really appreciate you taking 15 or 16 minutes here to talk about basketball with me tonight as we get ready for the Sweet 16 on Friday night. So I'm very appreciative of your time. Thanks so much. Well, you're one of the bright rising stars in this business. I loved your basketball knowledge or your love for Xavier. So best luck. And if I can ever help you out here in Los Angeles, you've got my number. Thank you very much, Dave. You can find Dave on Twitter at Coach Dave Miller. Now, here's Crawford Family Associate Head Coach Adam Cohen. Adam, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know this is a very busy week for you, so I appreciate you joining the Rebound Rundown here tonight. Let's get right into it. And for the fans that are listening that don't know all of the specifics and the intricacies of how the NCAA tournament works and these quick turnarounds, can you just take us through... One, the quick turnaround on a 48-hour notice between game one and game two, and then between Sunday's game and now the Sweet 16, how you all handle these turnarounds here in between games? Yeah, so first of all, it's a hectic time to say the least. And, you know, a lot of it is is just difficult because you're dealing with teams you haven't seen much of. Obviously, you watch them on TV here and there, and but it's all new. So the way we split up um, when Selection Sunday, we found out we're playing Kennesaw State is I took that first scout where um, that kind of means Kennesaw State was my responsibility in terms of uh, preparing the team and making sure we knew what they were going to do to us and just be as prepared as we could be. And we knew they were going to cause us some challenges. And I think, obviously, they did a heck of a job preparing for us. Um, and we were fortunate to find a way to win that game. And then on the other side, 
um, our other two assistants, Dante Jackson and David Miller kind of split the other games. So Dante um, ended up having Pittsburgh and David ended up having Iowa state if we were going to play them. And uh, it ended up obviously playing Pitt, and it was a quick, quick deal. You know, we only had a day in between where we could go over their stuff on the court, but also in the hotel ballroom, which allowed us to just get our schemes down exactly what we were going to change from the previous day and kind of go from there. So when you look at playing Pitt on Sunday and now having to wait until Friday to play Texas, you obviously don't want to overload the team with information throughout the week, but you're still practicing. You're still there on the court. You're still running through everything. So how do you all as a coaching staff balance what you go through specifically with Texas and what you all want to work on as a team, just as Xavier to improve throughout the week? Yeah. So, uh, you know, what we did today um, was we focused on us to start and we watched film on our Pittsburgh game uh, for about 15, 20 minutes and saw some things that we can improve on, but also saw some really good things we did, especially in the first half. Uh, And then we went into a lot of Texas prep and we started it today, um, learning about their personnel more than anything and just trying to give our guys a sense of what's coming. So when we get on the road tomorrow, we're really more cognizant to what they do. Um, And really it becomes, uh, uh, even though we have a few days in between here, uh, it allows our guys to really delve into who Texas is, what they're great at, what we feel like we can do well against them and go from there. But it it is definitely quick. And I think one of the hardest parts as a coach is like you don't want to give these guys too much information. And uh, for us, it's let's keep these guys, their minds fresh uh, while making sure they know what they need to know so they can be successful. Obviously, I don't want to have you give away any part of the game plan for Friday night, but just in general, can you give the listeners any kind of an idea of what makes Texas so difficult to game plan against and and such a good team this year? Yeah, you know, I would say the first thing is just they're very deep. You know, they play nine guys and those nine guys are very talented. Um, One through nine could all uh, get 20 points in any given night. It's just kind of the roster they have. And they've really committed themselves to the defensive end and forcing turnovers. So, um, you know, certain teams pressure the ball and deny passes. They do it in a couple different ways in terms of their pressure and their physicality and their size and their toughness. And they've been prepared playing in a great conference like the Big 12 and obviously just won the Big 12 tournament. Um, But, you know, they have a lot of guys who can go do a lot of things and they're really old. So Timmy Allen is a challenge. Um, Serge Jabari Rice is a challenge. Marcus Carr, these guys are all fifth year guys who've had an incredible careers in different places. And then Dylan Daisu, you know, over the last two games really went crazy last weekend in the tournament and he's playing the five for them now and just is super skilled and versatile, you know, at that position. So they have a lot of weapons. They play a, a tough style play and I think they do a great job. Uh, we know without Zach Fremantle, the depth isn't quite to Texas's level for Xavier. And one of the things that I think a lot of people are looking at for this week is can a guy like Jack Nunji stay out of foul trouble? Can you avoid getting to that 10 minute mark in the first half without Jack picking up two fouls or something like that and really setting the pace back? Is that something you guys are talking about? Yeah. You know, I think we're used to it now. It's been, I think 14 games since Zach uh, was injured. And so uh, guys have to step up and we got to get great production off our bench. I think against Pitt, Des Claude played 30 minutes um, and Cesar is going to get some minutes and you never know what else. And I, and I would tell you that, like, look, we're, we're, we don't play a huge bench, but what's helped us is our guys play really well together. And even though it's a small group, um, their ability to kind of be there for each other and really play well 
together with that group has kind of been our advantage. And uh, but foul trouble of any of our guys is a big deal, and it affects what we have to do and how we got to do things. You mentioned Des Claude. I'm glad you brought him up because I thought Sunday's game was a big maturing moment for him. He got sent to the free throw line in some big spots in that game under the bright lights with a chance to advance to the Sweet 16. As a coach, how big of a, of a moment for that uh, is that for a guy like Des Claude to be able to go up to the line with all the pressure on him and learn from that just as a freshman? Yeah, you know, it was great that he could finish the game and make his last few. And I, it's obviously unfortunate how he started at the free throw line because he's a good shooter and and he works on it every day. And it's something that, you know, I think we all have a lot of trust in him. And, he, and he's been able to be in those moments before where at the end of games, he's in the, the end of games, you know, in tight, big games, whether it's on the road or at home. So I, I think he has an incredible upside, room for growth, potential, whatever you want to call it. Um, with Des, it's just like continuing his habits day by day where he can be the best version of him every day and not get in his own mind. And um, I think we love coaching him. I know that. And defensively, he made some great plays in that game. Offensively, he attacked the rim extremely well. You know, I think we had six guys in double figures, which in the NCAA tournament, that's really hard to do. And I just think Des is like just scratching the surface and where, where he could be this week and going into moving forward. Like it's an exciting deal for our team. Hey, can you talk about Colby's rebounding in that game against Pitt? I mean, look, we know he grabbed the 14 rebounds, but it felt like he did a really good job even blocking out when he didn't get the rebound himself. So I'll say this to start, like when he gets the rebound and then he becomes, you know, the point guard for that possession because he leads the fast break. It did a lot of good for us in the first half. It actually caused Pitt a lot of trouble because he was the guy pitching ahead and trying to get to the basket and allowed Sule to get on the perimeter and Adam Kunkel to get off the ball. Um, he did a great job of pushing the pace in the first half. But yeah, his, you know, even looked at last year, like I think he averaged seven and a half rebounds a game. And um, going into this year, his numbers are down a little bit in terms of rebounding, but that's something that Colby, he has a knack for the ball. And again, like the more he can defense rebound and get the boards, it allows us to go out into our break even quicker. How do you all value that in a program? Because it might not be something that the fans just see watching on TV, but it seems like Colby's effort there, that want to right on the rebounding uh, in the rebounding aspect of the game. It just, it can change the dynamic of the entire game. Yeah, it's a huge skill. Uh, it's, it's not something that's unnoticed in any way. I, you know, our defensive rebounding numbers over the last month have been really, really good. And it's something that'll be a huge test this weekend. Um, but Colby, he leads us with this. Like when we lost Zach, Zach was one of the best defensive rebounders in the Big East. And uh, Colby had to step up. Obviously, Jerome had to step up, Jack and our guards. Um, but when we can defensive rebound and get stops, obviously allows us to play fast. And um, we can play fast and, and play and shoot the ball the way we, we did the other night in the first half. We're pretty dangerous. And um, I just think Colby, being a complete guard, a complete player, he's really stepped up lately in that, in that realm. Did you all do anything over the weekend with your ball screen coverages? Because at times it looked like when the ball handler's defender went over the screen, he'd kind of come back to the screener and Jack, whoever else was guarding the screener, would take the ball. Did did you do anything over the weekend that was different in your ball screen defense than the rest of the season? I would say we mixed it up within the game, probably a little bit more than we have. Um, you know, I think game in game out, we have to make changes and adjustments and, you know, like with certain, with the way, for instance, Kennesaw state's guards were so quick getting downhill. We had to change our matchups. First of all, then we changed our scheme in terms of how far guys were playing off their guy in terms of Jack, how far back did we want him? How high did we want him? And then, you know, with, um, 
the pit game, it was a big difference because they were playing Hinson at the five in the second half, which and Jack was in foul trouble. So then Jerome was playing our five at times. And so we were mixing up, you know, hard hedging and switching and just kind of giving them different looks because they had a shooter who was really a guard playing the five. They played five guards in the second half. So um, we had to adjust with them. They had to adjust with us. And yeah, it's kind of just how the game goes sometimes. Two more quick questions for you before I let you go. The first is the the Xavier recap video from this past weekend's game against Pitt just got released a few minutes ago. And at one point in the clip, you could hear Sean Miller at the halftime speech saying, hey, guys, don't take your foot off the gas. Don't let up. Don't let up. Don't let up. And that's been a, a big point of emphasis here this season, because a lot of times it has been a, a big detractor to these these leads that Xavier has built in the first half. So as a coaching staff, what do you have to remind these guys in the halftime? Because I think sometimes fans might overvalue what happens at halftime or do fans overvalue the halftime? I, I would love to know your thought um, when when it goes into halftime, the first half for the second half and, and all of that. Yeah, well, you could say the night before or two nights before against Kennesaw, we had like the complete opposite approach, right? We had to find a way to break out of that. Also had that against DePaul, you know, a week ago the Madison Square Garden. So what I would say is um, every game's different. Every game's a new experience. You're going to have positives. You're going to have negatives at half. You're always going to try to learn from those things uh, to prepare us better for the second half. But at the end of the day, it's like, how do you come out that first four minutes? Is it something where you're just like tiptoeing in and you're going to see what happens? Or are you going to be the aggressor? And um, most of the time, that's the conversation we're having. And for this game, it was one of those things where we knew they were going to try to make a punch at us and come at us. We also knew they were playing their third game in five or six days, and we had a chance to wear them down, which I think we did with our running game. Um, but it was just like, we wanted to continue doing what we were doing in the first half. And even if we weren't making shots, could we defend the way we were defending? Cause our defense was really on par. And that was kind of our focus going into half. Last question for you. And this is a retrospective of this past year. You're the associate head coach on this team in your first year here with the program and now all of a sudden, Sean Miller, a year ago to the day, he gets hired and then he takes a team to the Sweet 16. You're a part of this program. You're in your first year here at Xavier. You're with Sean Miller. You're with this coaching staff, Dante, David, Sean, all of you guys. How do you put into perspective what you were able to accomplish with this group this year to now put yourself in a position to win two games this weekend to go to the Final Four? Yeah, I mean, it. Honestly, it's amazing. It's uh, it's incredible to be a part of this program. Feeling the support from our fans every night in Cintas and on the road has just been eye-opening and amazing to have have them be a part of it. It's honestly what I heard about when we first came here, and uh, it's been as real as can be. And I'll say this, like whatever we could have expected coming in as a new staff, our guys have been amazing to coach every day and uh, the fans have been so supportive of all that we've done. Um, and we're just so fortunate to be here and happy to be here, but also know that we're working our butts off to keep going. And this is not a, a something where, yeah, we made the sweet 16 and, and it's great. It's no, let's go keep going and see where we can go and, and keep trying to make everybody proud by playing the right way we're playing. And um, I don't know what our expectations were. Obviously we wanted to make the tournament uh, and advance if we could, but I do know that it's been rewarding in so many ways, learned so much, um, been able to 
coach just really, really good kids who uh, want to learn and have been so open to learning um, and so open to our system and how we coach. And uh, it's been really eye-opening and uh, rewarding in a lot of different ways. And hopefully we can just keep it going because I know none of us want it to end. Well, Adam, I appreciate you taking a few minutes here with me. I know you've got a lot going on this week. So again, I appreciate you taking a few minutes and uh, best of luck this weekend. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We're looking forward to it. Thanks again to both of them for taking the time. I hope all of you listening enjoyed those conversations as much as I did. As far as area teams go, Cincinnati plays at Utah Valley in the NIT at 9 tonight on ESPN2. Time now for the Stoob Stats of the day, courtesy of David Steubenrock, whose Twitter is at XUStatman. You heard Adam Cohen talk about free throw shooting, so here's some more on that from Stoob. Sule Boom, in the last two minutes of regulation, plus overtime versus Providence, is 45 for 53 from the free throw line. That's 84.9%. But since the Nova game on January 7th, he is 33 for 35, good for 94.3% down the stretch. Also, Jerome Hunter is one of three players still playing that are perfect from the free throw line with a minimum of 10 attempts in this tournament. Tiger Campbell from UCLA is 14 for 14, and Ryan Nemhard from Creighton is 12 for 12. Jerome is 10 for 10. Of the remaining 16 teams in the tournament, Based on just the tournament games, Xavier ranks top five in assists, their third, assist-to-turnover ratio, second, points per game, fifth, and opponents' points per game, second. They are number one in defensive rebounds and free-throw attempts per game. Texas is 13th in defensive rebounds, and last, they are 16th in free-throw attempts. So with Xavier being first among remaining teams in free-throw attempts and Texas being last, We'll see if this is a game that's decided at the line. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Stay tuned for plenty more coverage over the next couple of days. If you enjoyed the show, again, make sure to subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave a rating and a review. Have a great Wednesday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.